Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Colton Jones, and I'm doing this podcast solo this week. Yeah, Arthur's on vacation, and this is actually the first time out of, this is, I think, our 101st episode. Out of 101 episodes, this is my first time doing it solo. So, I'll do my best, and it won't likely be a long one, because Arthur and I, our conversation usually is the thing that takes up the bulk of the time, so not having him here is just going to be kind of sad, but I think I got something good for you guys. So, it's a well-known fact that people are messy. People are very messy. You probably know people, uh, and you know yourself, I hope. And if there's anything that I, I myself and my friends have admitted about ourselves, it's like, yeah, I'm a mess. Uh, and this, this has been a human fact for the past however many hundreds of thousands of years we've existed. Paul knew this. St. Paul knew this, and he wrote about it in Colossians. So the people he was dealing with uh, as he was going around starting churches in the early days of the church, he had to help correct the groups that he encountered. The Romans, the Galatians, the Colossians, the Corinthians, the Ephesians. uh, It goes on. He had to address those groups, the things that they had. Uh, going wrong, people who were probably misleading them, either within themselves or people outside of their community trying to mislead them and guide them away from Christ. And Paul was there to help set them back. So he had plenty of experience with human reality that humans are just messy. So what are we going to do about that? What am I going to do about my messiness? What is, what are, what are we going to do about our messiness in our communities? Thankfully, Paul, having dealt a lot with that, had some solutions, some suggestions that he uh, had for Colossians. So I wanted to read from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, and see what Paul had to say about that. So, starting at verse 12, he says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience. Forbearing one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And over all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I wanted to go back to the beginning of what I just read, starting at verse 12. Paul addresses us, as holy and beloved. Personally, when I think about my own messiness, I don't consider myself to be holy. 
And if I'm feeling particularly down about myself, dealing with shame or whatever, I don't think about myself as beloved. And I don't think we really have the habit of calling each other holy enough. Because holy isn't about what you do. It's not about the things that you do. Because if we've learned anything from Christ through scripture, the grace that makes one holy is not obtained by our own means, but rather it's given to us. We are called holy because that's what we are made to be. Also, beloved. Beloved is a deeply personal title to give someone. And God who first encountered Israel as not so not so close, but as, you know, clearly a distant power that 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 was mysterious. But over time, through his interaction with Israel, he drew closer and closer and closer and eventually called them beloved. And that's what we're called individually in Christ. God, who became man in Christ, married himself to us and calls us beloved. So Paul wanted to bring that back up. Like, remember who you are and what you are. You are holy and you are beloved. So starting out there, uh, Paul then moves into what attitude we should have towards each other. He says, uh, approach each other with compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience. That's not always easy. That's not always easy. Uh, our innate desire often is to focus on ourselves uh, so that that lowliness, that meekness does not come naturally. Because uh, lowliness means that we don't seek grandiose things. That not only are we content with what we have, but we seek to identify with the poor as Christ did because he moved among the poor. Also, meekness. Meekness is not, uh, I can't say it's very well understood, but say you are someone who inherently has a lot of maybe authority, power, persuasion, and you can otherwise use that strength to do what you want against others. Meekness is the virtue of subjugating or submitting that strength to the Holy Spirit and allowing that strength to be used instead of lording over people what you have over them, you, you use your strengths to serve them and you don't place yourself above them in that respect. And that, of course, is not something natural or natural feeling uh, to someone who maybe struggles with um, their life before encountering Christ. And of course, through our journey, journey after we encounter Christ, meekness is something that, that requires work and effort. That's why it's a virtue. Also, um, kindness and patience. Uh, it's easy always in theory to approach people from the attitude of kindness and patience. But the problem is, is that we cannot interact with people theoretically. So whenever we 
maybe come into contact with someone who's abrasive or to us annoying, or maybe they're just upsetting the peace that we've built up in this moment and we become impatient with them. And that might drive us to being unkind. So he says, focus on these mentalities as you're interacting, as you're approaching each other. Next, he says, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. This is pretty, pretty cemented into the Christian themes. It's in the Our Father prayer that Christ tells us to pray. And he hammers it home more and more that you will be forgiven when you forgive. You know, and I think it was Peter who came up to Jesus asking, you know, if someone sins against me seven times, do I still have to forgive them? Or how many times must I forgive this person? Because a lot of times people approach Jesus seeking to justify their own sense of righteousness. Because like, oh man, if I forgive someone seven times, I must be very holy. And Christ is like, nah, you should probably forgive them seven times seven or seven times 77, depending on, uh, I believe, different translations. Do the math differently. Regardless, the whole point is Christ is calling us to first forgive because we ourselves are forgiven and to hold the forgiveness of Christ in us so that we can live there. Now, Paul also says, he phrases things in an interesting way, I should say. He says, put on love. Put on love. Over all these, he says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What does it mean to put on love? Because I, I, I put on my shirt in the morning. I, I put on my shoes. What does it mean to put on love? Because if one puts on love like they put on their shoes, then do we take them off? In under what circumstances do we take them off? You know, uh, I don't. That's not what I think he's going after. Because in the first part of chapter three, which I hadn't uh, read, I just read a middle section of it. If he says, um, more or less, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. And later, but now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk. Then he says, and put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge. And in other places, like in Romans, Paul says, put on the mind of Christ. So I don't think he's telling us to do it just for a time, just when you're around other people. No, this is something new. Whenever someone is baptized, at least in the Catholic Church, whenever someone is baptized, they put on a white garment on them, signifying the new self. Because in baptism, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of being, die. They die. In all of Christian life after baptism is making sure that our old ways of thinking remain dead in taking on that new life of Christ. So to put something on isn't so much a wearing as it is a being. 
so that helps us understand, okay, so love is the thing that guides then everything, our, our, our attitude towards one another and the motivation for our forgiveness of others. We don't forgive others because we want them to think better than us, better of us, rather. And I think maybe admitting personally to myself, forgiving others as a way of, of being in someone's good graces is not the best motivation. If I'm wronged, I should forgive them because I love them and because Christ loves them and because Christ loves me. Finally, Paul tells us to let peace rule in our hearts. The word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And that's something interesting. We don't have quite a, uh, uh, the ancient sense of the importance of words anymore. Words for us are very cheap. Um, like the, this, there's always the saying whenever someone says something uh, provocative, another person might say to them, you know, talk is cheap. You got to walk the walk. But back then, whenever word was uttered, especially in the authority, it had weight to it. Words, logos, signified reality. So whenever Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that means that let what Christ says, and Christ being the word of God, as St. John says in the beginning of his gospel, for the word of God to dwell in us richly, is for God himself to dwell in us richly. Because Christ primarily, prior to his, uh, his incarnation, was not physical in nature. So to dwell in us, God dwelled in us through his word. So scripture is the word of Christ. So reading it is an important part of maintaining and 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 building up community. Without the word of Christ, we have no basis of, of guiding our own hearts. That's what the word of Christ does. The word of Christ shapes and molds the hearts of those who read it and orients them towards our ultimate good. So you can take a group of a bunch of messy and disordered people and have them set their hearts on the same thing. That is the secret to overcoming this messiness. Christ himself overcame all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the things that we bring that, that weigh us down. He overcame it. And through him, his word dwelling richly in us, we don't have to worry about the messiness causing the destruction of our communities. And yet we still see the destruction of our communities. Why? We maybe assume automatically, oh, we must be all reading scripture. We all must have the word of Christ dwelling within us richly. So why is it, why is our community falling apart? Or why are we dealing with this strife or these people coming in trying to discourage us? Or maybe we're discouraging each other. It's like, no, then the word of Christ is not dwelling within you. There's a fancy word. Uh, I usually try to keep my fancy words under wraps because uh, 
because generally our, our, our audience is probably like a, it's, it's a varied group of people. So it's not just Catholics, not just Protestants, but we could have a, a number of people from different backgrounds. So uh, limiting my vocabulary is often in the best uh, interest, but there's the word efficacious. So the word of Christ is efficacious, meaning it affects what it says. So whenever Christ, for instance, whenever he entered the upper room after, uh, after his resurrection, he said, peace be with you. And peace was with them. And whenever Christ said to a person, be healed, they were healed. His word affected what it symbolized. So if we don't have the word of Christ dwelling richly within us, we are not going to bear the fruit of the word of Christ. When the word of Christ in scripture dwells within us richly, we got to remember that's when we are capable of living in what is practically an impossibility without Christ, living in community. There is no community without love. And in the absence of love, the community becomes dissolved, disillusioned, lost. And it only takes, you know, a second to glance at the world and ask yourself, do we have a sense of community? You might in your family, or maybe you have a great church and you guys are, are, are really killing it on the community end. But we look at our culture and it's really impoverished right now, at least in, in America, in the United States. We don't have a sense of community. We don't have a sense of the word of Christ dwelling richly within us. So how do we fix it? Well, first and foremost, a community is made of individuals and you're one of those individuals. Take on the word of Christ. Put on the love of Christ, the mind of Christ, and really change yourself in Christ and allow his word dwelling richly within you to change you and bring that to other people. You are not a light under a bushel basket. Okay. Don't be afraid of shining for the sake of Christ. If, if you have a false sense of humility saying, you know, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to do what I think are good deeds in unseen spaces there's a time for that sure maybe maybe for those who really struggle with pride that's that's something useful to help them come to a deeper sense of the littleness of christ in their hearts but no the world needs you the world needs you to show what christ in you looks like because everybody's hungering out there Everybody's looking for, for the, the, this, the deepest sense of meaning to be within them. And when they see someone else attain that, they can't help but be hungry and pursue it. So I challenge you to challenge yourself to read scripture, to, to put all your, your, your notions about what Christ wants to say to you aside and let his word do its job in you first. Then in your communities, in your families, in your schools, 
your churches, your workplaces, okay? I guess that's more of my challenge. I kind of got a little bit preachy there towards the end, but um, I couldn't help myself. I didn't have Arthur here to regulate me. So I want you guys to know that Arthur and I are very grateful for all of you who listen and any, any listeners we might gain over time. Uh, we appreciate you and we look forward uh, to hearing anything you might want to say or uh, any suggestions you have. We are more than happy uh, to hear those as well. So we hope that whatever community, uh, although disconnected because this is a podcast, you know, we're not face to face or really familiar with each other in person, unless of course our family or friends are listening, but understand that we really are thankful for you. And we hope that you are letting Christ dwell within you. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful week. We look forward to having you back next time on Under an Open Heaven. And until then, God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are Under an Open Heaven. Our email address is underanopenheaven.fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at underanopenheaven.fire. So please go uh, give those a gander and send us any th- any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.